0: That's actually, don't be, I'm not being derogatory, if you go online, go on YouTube, you can look him up, the crazy Russian, that's him. All kinds of life hacks. Now, that may be a different, a different phrase for some of you, maybe not heard of what a life hack is, it's a little different, uh, uh, something different for you, you learn something. Last week, what did we learn? How to what? You learned the life hack of how to tie your shoes. This week, you'd learned how to uh, waterproof uh, waterproof your cloth shoes, so uh, you can't say that you're not learning stuff at church, right? Okay. Well, I, but I thought, I'd throw up, I thought I would throw up a, a little definition. I got this is from the Urban Dictionary on what a life hack actually is. This is an Urban Dictionary it says this. A life hack is a tool or technique that makes one aspect of life, one's life easier or more efficient. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs basically is a book of life hacks. It's a book of uh, little nuggets of truth, that if we will apply these nuggets of truth to our lives, they will help make our lives better and more productive, that kind of thing. And so uh, when we were talking about this series, we said, hey, let's go through the book of Proverbs, let's pick out some of the kind of key life hacks, some of the key truths that if we will apply them to our lives will uh, really make a difference. And so uh, last week uh, we talked about humility. You'll apply humility in your life. can make a huge difference. Uh, This week we want to apply the life hack of reproof uh, into our lives. And so uh, we're going to look at several passages of Scripture in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible or you have your... Smartphone, electronic advice device. Encourage you to turn to the fifteenth chapter of the book of Proverbs. There's probably fourteen or fifteen different places where reproof is talked about in the book of Proverbs, and we'll kind of refer to some of them. But we want to focus on a two-verse section, and I'm going to hang on. We'll I'll explain what reproof is, so that's kind of a new uh, or a word we don't use a whole lot. But look at this passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter fifteen verse 31 and 32. We'll use this as kind of a jumping off point of text for us today. It says this, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Now again, reproof is not something that we necessarily use a whole lot in our culture. And so, let me. One of the things I do, if I if there's a if there's a word in scripture that I'm trying to try to, trying to understand a little better, I go to other translations and see how did the because obviously the Bible is not written in English originally. Now the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew, and so how did the translators who translated different versions how did they translate this particular word? So these translators used reproof. How did others? How did they translate it? Other versions you might have use the word correction or admonition. Or constructive criticism, and so reproof is when someone comes in your life, someone has a conversation with you, and gives you a word of correction, gives you a word of admonition, gives you some constructive criticism. I've, uh, if you've been around here for some time, you've maybe heard me tell the story of uh, when I was right out of college. I was at a at a church in Central Illinois, Uh, and so I remember the day that. The lead pastor called me into his office, and that wasn't kind of an especially odd thing. It was just he and I on staff, and so I would occasionally go in, and he would uh, you know, tell me things. We'd talk about whatever was going on. But this particular day, he told me, now, David, I want you to bring a pad of paper, something to write with, and when you come in, shut the door behind you. There was no one else in the church. I mean, it was just the two of us. I mean, shut the door behind you was code for we're going to the woodshed. Okay, And so for the next, however long that was, he had a conversation of reproof with me. Now, reproof is not something that any of us enjoy. It's not something we look forward to. But it has the power, if we will let it, Have a tremendous. uh, It can bring tremendous blessing into our life if we can learn to approach it both in the giving of it and the receiving of it in a way that's biblical and healthy. It can be something that can bring life and blessing into our lives. So let's go back and look at that. Look at the text again in chapter 15. As we look at that text, what's it telling us about reproof? And we'll start with the good stuff. What are the blessings of reproof? What does it say? If you go back, notice in verse 31, the thing about the blessings of reproof, it says, life has it described, life-giving reproof, reproof that brings life, words of correction that bring life, words of admonition, words of constructive criticism that have the power to bring life. They may not feel like it in the moment when someone's having the conversation with us, it may not feel like it's life-giving, but it has the power to bring life. What does verse 31 say? What are the blessings of the reproof as described in the text? In verse 31, it says that they will what? That they will dwell in the uh, dwell among the wise. We've talked about the difference between hearing and listening. So it's not someone that just hears reproof that dwells among the wise. It's someone who. Who listens to reproof? There's a difference between uh, we said this before. There's a difference between me hearing Crystal and listening to Crystal. There's a difference from when I when I allow what's being said to impact me. When I process it, when I apply what I'm what I'm hearing, then I can listen to someone. As we think about what this passage is saying, is that those who listen, it says. What, what's it say they're going to do? That they're going to dwell among the wise. So there will be a day when, if you will learn the lesson of reproof, if you will learn the lesson of, of, of taking the, 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 the constructive criticism, the correction, the admonition, if you will learn the lesson, if you will listen to that, that there will come a day when you will become a card-carrying member of the community of the wise. They will dwell among the wise. If we're open to listening. What do you also say? What do you also say? There's another blessing. He says that they will gain intelligence. How many of you are sitting next to someone that needs to gain some intelligence? That you think it would be helpful if they gained some intelligence? All right. <laughs> so what is it? if you will gain intelligence, you will gain, and some of your translations say, you will gain understanding. And we need more of that. We need more intelligence. We need more understanding. We need that in our lives. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. We need more wisdom. We need more understanding. We need more uh, more intelligence. And that's what happens when we learn to accept and listen to reproof. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, I I don't want to just give just the one side, but here's the other side of it. He really puts the, uh, as we think about, he really puts it very clearly here. What's he say? Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof, say it with me, is stupid. We told our kids not to use that word. We're using it in church. He who hates reproof is stupid. That's putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. It would be good for us as at this juncture of the message we kind of are, are talking or we're looking at Scripture to, to take some self-evaluation, to ask ourselves the question, when someone comes to me and they begin the conversation, hey, there's something I need to talk to you about, and you understand that it's one of those reproof kind of conversations. It's one of those conversations going to be some constructive criticism. What's your approach? What's the way that you interact with them in that moment? you think about all the reasons why this person is off base, why, they, why you shouldn't listen to them? What does Scripture say? The person who hates reproof, the person who puts it off, the person who who, who uh who doesn't want that, that doesn't want to listen, is Do you hate reproof? Do you not do you not accept it? Are you not open to it? And Crystal, she's maybe shared this with us before, but when we were uh, newly married, and this probably won't come as a big shock to you, but I was not always the perfect husband. Uh, I've still got a lot to learn, and early in our marriage, I really had a lot to learn about what it meant to uh, uh, to be a good husband, and so um, we struggled early on in our marriage, and we had some, some things uh, that we needed to work through, and we were young and married, and uh, and so uh, we were trying to do that and, uh, and I wasn't always the greatest husband in the world. And so Crystal had gone down to uh, spend some time with her parents and in a conversation with her mom where she was just kind of uh, griping about me and about how, you know, I, you're not the greatest husband in the world. Here's, you know, David does this, David does that, and all. Oh, it doesn't do this or whatever. And so she's kind of going through all of that. And then she says to her mom, uh, I'm just praying that God would change David's heart. And her mother stepped into the mode of reproof and said to Crystal, Crystal, maybe you need to stop praying that God would change David and pray that God changes you. And that for for Crystal, in that moment, she didn't need just her mom to be the person that just agreed with her and said, yeah, I can't believe you even married the guy to begin with. Was, that was, uh, Maybe it was true, but it was not necessarily what she needed. What she needed in that moment was someone to take the posture of reproving her, of correcting her, of, of, of speaking truth into her, giving her a little constructive criticism, because in that moment, just like the proverb says, it was life-giving reproof. It brought life into our marriage. It was a foundation from which we were able to, to, to have some wonderful uh, building and, and change in our marriage. And so let's go get, again, go back to the text. And, and, and as we think about... What are the sources of reproof? And in this particular uh, text, it doesn't necessarily kind of outline where the reproof is coming from. It's more focused on the receiver of the reproof and, and, and you know, how, how we should kind of accept it or whatever. And so, But there's other passages. I said we've got some other passages in Proverbs that talk about reproof. And some of those other passages, we can get a sense of the kinds of, of, of sources of, uh, of reproof. Proverbs chapter three verse 11, is one of those. He says, "My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of His reproof." So the, so the thing about the sources of reproof, uh, what does he say? Don't despise the Lord's discipline, or His reproof." And so reproof can come from God. It's a source of reproof. And that source of reproof from God can come in a lot of different forms. It could come in in a a time of prayer when you're talking to God, if you'll give him a chance. Don't just talk the whole time. If you'll listen as well. But uh, in in a prayer time, you could get some reproof that might come from God. And there's some conviction that might come as you're having, uh, just uh, allow the, be open to the Holy Spirit, kind of working in your life. Some conviction in your inner life that might come. Maybe it's you're listening to a sermon and, uh, and, and God is, uh, as I'm talking, God's talking to you at the same time. And maybe it's uh, on what I'm talking about. Maybe it spurs a thought in a totally different direction, but God can use a situation like this to speak to us and to help us, to reprove us, to convict us of something. And of course, God's word is a wonderful way that he brings reproof into our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So God can use his words to, his word, uh, this wonderful book that he's given us, he can use it to reprove us, to help us, to teach us. I was trying to think of my life uh, and try to give you some personal examples. Probably as I think back in my uh, ministry uh, life Probably the place that God has brought reproof through His Word, uh, just in a in a way that really has changed me, is in the area of forgiveness. That, it's, that I learned from Scripture early on as I read it and found conviction because I had some, some folks early in ministry that I, I really needed to learn how to forgive. I really wasn't real open to forgiving them because of the hurt and some of the pain that I had experienced, but God's Word was clear and, and convicted me and helped me to understand that I had to forgive them. If I wanted to receive forgiveness, I needed to be willing to forgive. God's Word brought reproof. Another Key source of reproof is not just God. I was trying to think about a a better word to use. I couldn't think of anything better, so I just put others. And that's kind of a broad category of others. Uh, Like with Crystal, the others could have been apparent. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5, it says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Uh, Jacob, I don't know. Do I need to read that just one more time? Because that is a great passage. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. That's a good, that you ought to memorize that, that's a good one. Um, and so it might come from a parent, it might come from, from a boss, like I talked about earlier. It might come from a coworker. it might come from a friend, it might even come from an enemy. Someone that you know does not have your best interest at heart, that come to you and speak some words to you. But if you are willing and open, God could use those even to bring health, to bring life into your life. So the implication as you read the 14th or 15th, there's a bunch of them, different places where it talks about reproof or correction in the book of Proverbs that you really can see the implication is they come from a number of different sources. They can come from God, they can come from a father, they can come from any number of sources. And so we shouldn't just think about reproof coming from the people that we know have our best interest at heart. Not just the people that we like, just the people that as they give the reproof, they'll put it in packaging in such a way that that it'll go go down smooth and it'll be okay and we know they love us and and all that. Not just reproof from someone that, that we're open to that might just come from someone that's, as we think in terms of someone that's higher up on whatever food chain that we're on. You know, someone, as we think about it, there's some boss or some whatever that has some position of authority over us, so they have the right, we think, to speak into us. But could we have different sources of reproof? Could be open? Could we be humble enough to, to be able to accept reproof and help and correction from any number of sources? And I love that old adage, to chew the meat and spit out the bones. That in that moment when there's other stuff that comes with Reproof, but can we find the meat in it? Can we get rid of the other stuff? But can we find the nugget of truth in it? Can we be open to that? I thought back in in my life early on in, in ministry when I first became a, a senior pastor at a church in Ohio. I was 29 years old, so this was probably a couple years after I'd taken over. Uh, enough time to make a number of errors. <laughs> uh, and so I was probably 30, 31 years old. And I remember this lady in the church that had always been so sweet to me prior to this phone call. Um, she called me and, oh yeah, how's it going? And so uh, you know, I, I have this phone conversation with her and very quickly I recognized that she was not... Uh, in a mood to really stroke me and really be encouraging to me. And she just let me have it. So literally, I had a 45-minute conversation. And I don't don't want to take a lot of time telling you everything she had to tell me. I would just summarize it saying, here are all the different reasons why you are the worst pastor to ever draw a breath. That's kind of the summary of the conversation. Okay? And even though it was painful, and even though she had not taken you know, the Carnegie course of how to uh, win friends and influence people, and even though you know, she packaged it wrong and she said it wrong, and, and there's a lot of things that, that I could point to that, you know, that's not really true, and that's an exaggeration. I didn't, did I really say that or do that? I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff, but in the midst of all of that 45 minutes, there was truth that I needed to learn from. And what does Scripture say? That truth can be life-giving. Reproof can be life-giving. And it helped me become the pastor that I am today. To be willing to listen and to try to figure out where is the truth in what's being said. Let me read that passage again. Verses 31 and 32 of chapter 15, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever gains instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. So there's two positions that we see in that passage. There's the reproof, there's, there's the giver and the receiver. And let's just kind of talk about it, just for a second, real quick, about the giver. And, and what's the phrase? I, I love that. The life-giving reproof. We need to learn to give life-giving reproof. We've all endured the other form. We've all endured the death-bringing reproof. But how about the life-giving reproof? And that's what Jesus gave. He, when he, and he reproved people. He loved them enough to, to help them to see, you know what? you got some things in your life that you need to work on that you need to do differently. The, the woman at the well where he talked about all the husbands she's had. And, and, and he talked to her about that. And, and, and he helped her. Or, the, or Peter, when, when he you know, said something to, to Jesus that was totally off and Jesus says to him, do you remember? Get behind me, Satan. That was, was, he just was, I mean, that was, seems pretty harsh, but, but it was helpful. That's what Peter needed in that moment. Or the, or the woman that's caught in adultery when, when all the religious guys left, what did he say to you? Do you remember? Go and sin no more. Life-giving reproof. First thing I would say is we think about the process then of reproof would be to check our motivation, to, to reprove like Jesus, and he always had a motivation of love. And there can be a lot of different motivations besides love when we reprove someone. Because it's kind of fun, isn't it, to kind of reprove, to, to talk to somebody about what they need to change or what they've done wrong. or I mean, it can it kind of can be a fun thing. There must be some endorphin that's released when you reprove someone, when you have one of those conversations, because you know, it makes you feel powerful. And, and some of us are better at it than others, and some totally never want to have that conversation. Others really maybe enjoy it a little too much. Uh, but what's the motivation? What's our attitude? Is our motivation to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves feel superior, to make someone else look dumb? Or is our motivation to make that person a better person, a wiser person, to love them enough to have a difficult conversation with them? It's a choice that we make. And remember the phrase, life is giving reproof and there will be times when we love people and if we love people we will have the conversation with them and then the process of reproof the second thing we need to check our motivation but also we need to make sure that we do the right thing the right way because there is a wrong way to do the right thing and so what's the right way how do we reprove what what's the motivation but what but how should we do it there's a couple thoughts we should think about the when reproof is best done in private it's not something you should do with a big, big group of people shouldn't belittle someone you shouldn't make someone look bad in front of other people and so where you do it is important it matters Matthew 18 gives a great outline if you have something against someone you have you need to have a conversation with someone go to that person one on one if that doesn't work, if they're not open, maybe you need to take a brother or sister in Christ with you and have a, uh, have a conversation. And so Matthew 18 is a great uh, has some great principles for us there. But, but where matters, when matters. And we've talked about this before in relationships, but you don't, you don't have a difficult conversation when everyone's tired. You don't do it when, when emotions are high. Because when your emotions are high, your ability to reason is very low. When matters and who matters. As you prayerfully consider reproof and, and you know, is, is this God leading me? Is this is a recognition that this person needs, someone needs to have a conversation with them? Are you the right person to have the conversation? And to prayerfully consider that and let yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. But if you are the right person, if there's a confirmation yeah, you are the one. Then don't avoid it just by thinking, well, maybe there's someone else that's going to deliver it. If God is prompting you, you need to love people enough to have the difficult conversation of reproof. And then let's conclude real quick with the posture of reproof. Again, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And so in that passage we have again, there's the right way to take it and the wrong way. The, the ear that listens I mean, that's the, it talked about in the positive to the life-giving reproof. And then the, whoever ignores destruction despises himself. So as we think about that, what is the posture that we need as we are accepting the reproof, or as we are being given the reproof? The first thing that I would say is we need to have an open heart. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 12 says, And you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. We can't hate reproof. We can't despise reproof. We need to have an open heart. And by an open heart, we just think about it in terms of, you know, I'm open to change. I'm open to grow. I'm open to to, to learn. I haven't arrived. I understand that I'm I'm on a journey and I'm not at the destination, that I've still got things to learn and I can grow and I need to have an open heart. I can't despise reproof. I can't hate it. Not only do I need to have an open heart to the change that God wants to bring in my life, I also need to have some, have open eyes. Have my eyes open to reproof situations, my eyes open to potential blind spots that I might have. In my life, am I emotionally healthy enough that when someone has a conversation with me, that that I that I am able to open my eyes, or in the conversation when someone begins to reprove me or correct me or whatever, that my my whole posture is my eyes are closed and I'm blinded and, and I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to see it. My entire uh, the mental gymnastics are all around why this person is wrong and why they have no authority in my life and why they if, if they're talking to me and look at all the things going on in their life and makes it absolutely impossible for us to see. The blind spots, because we're making excuses the entire time. So when reproof comes, the posture needs to be with my eyes open so that I can attempt to see what someone else is seeing in me. Proverbs 26, verse 12, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The person who's wise in his own eyes, the person who thinks that they know everything, the person who thinks that they that they are wise, that there is nothing that anyone else has to to share with me because I know it all. There is more hope for a fool than that person whose eyes are blind, are closed. And then finally, the posture of reproof is having an open mind. We need to have an open mind. Even in those moments that, that the person who's coming with the reproof, like that, that lady that, that came and was talking to me on the phone, the phone conversation, so the reproof that, that, that even in the midst of that, it, it's packaged wrong and she's saying it wrong and she's saying it in a painful, hurtful way, can I have an open mind to see through all that to be open to what is being said? Can I have an open mind when someone comes that really I know doesn't have my best interest at heart? Can I have an open mind when, with someone that I have a history with? Can I have an open mind with someone that clearly has an agenda as they're talking to me? Can I hope, have an open mind with someone that is on a different level than me? That, that maybe this person, uh, and by that I mean maybe they're at a different level in the organization, And maybe they're not my boss, so who are you to talk to me? Kind of an attitude. Can I have an open mind when someone of a different age comes to me? Or a person that's different on a different level socially or intellectually or on and on and on. And it ties back to what we talked about last week. Can I be humble enough to allow God to use situations in my life to bring reproof that corrects me, that helps me, that grows me? Reproof is a fork in the road where we make the choice. Do we, will I cringe at the correction like a curse? Too proud to open my eyes? Too proud to open my heart? Or will I embrace the reproof, the rebuke as a blessing? As our worship team comes back up, I just want to encourage you to think about that. One of the great themes of Proverbs is that those who embrace rebuke are wise and walk on the path of life. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 12 says, that like a gold ring or an ornament of gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Or the psalmist who writes in Psalm 141, let a righteous man strike me, it is kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. So today, what's God saying? Most important place that we could accept reproof is in our lives spiritually. To acknowledge that that on our own, that we are sinners, that we, that we need Christ in our lives? Am I, am I willing to accept that reproof that, you know, on your own, you have some issues? That you need Christ and you need His forgiveness. Are you open to that basic reproof? Are you open to the reproof that God wants to bring into your life through other people, through spouses, through husbands and wives and moms and dads and children and whoever? Heavenly Father, God, as we conclude our time today, I pray, Father, you'd help us to be willing to open our minds and our hearts to reproof that as we take it, makes us wise and helps us and puts us on the path of life. Help us not to be the stupid fool that your scripture, your word talks about, that hates it and sees it as death. But help us, God, today to see it as life. And speak to us now, to areas of our own lives that we need to change and be reproved in, to be corrected in. For it's in Christ name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.